Hello, and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. And I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast, and we're currently on season two. Whether you're watching for the first time, or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time, too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary on the show. Thanks for listening! Now, on to the episode. Season 2, episode 18, Killed by Death. And I remembered almost nothing of this episode. Same. Yeah, I came in with a clean slate. Yeah, this, I mean, this is a, an eminently forgettable episode. I think one of my notes here says, this is a genuinely interesting monster in an otherwise mm-hmm. uninteresting episode. That's my take, is I like <laughs> the monster. I think that's, it's a creative kind of creature. You know, mm-hmm. the, the costume isn't great, but whatever. But the episode as a whole is just a little bit i don't want to say it's boring i just feel like it feels very out of place based on what we've seen so far in this season it feels like season one or like very beginning of season two i think there's reasons for that i think maybe the writers are trying to give us a bit of a break before we head into the final part of the season and Buffy's final confrontation with angel with angelus and stuff like okay that's that's actually really interesting that you said that because I felt the same way, right? I was like, this is such a season one kind of situation, a season one vibe. So I actually went and did a little research and you are bang on and my thoughts were the same. This episode was written for season one and they oh. trashed it and they're like, we're going to push it back, back, back. And then in the end, they were thought they were just like, oh, this is completely different from where season two is going. But they decided to slide it in here. And I think we can talk about why they thought this would be a good idea to put in the second half of season two. But basically, they, they did a lot of rewrites to put Angel in and, and Cordy and Xander drama in and to make it follow the, the season arc of season two. But it was something that was plopped in. Okay, that makes sense because mm-hmm. it does feel like some of the stuff, like the Angel stuff, is just kind of added on. Yes, so, yes, exactly. Yeah. That's what I was feeling too. This episode, I think if it had been in season one... It would have been one of the stronger ones. Oh. And I think this way because the last time I said I don't remember this episode at all, it was Nightmares. And this episode next to Nightmares is actually very similar to me. You know, both in a hospital. Mm-hmm. Creepy kids. Both involving little boys who are sick or are in trouble. Yeah. Very similar in that regard. But I would watch this episode over Nightmares, I think. And... um I like what you said about the monster in this episode, because as much as we're saying this episode feels like a season one episode, I felt like this monster belonged later in the series. It's like of a caliber where it could have been later. Well, I always confuse this monster with some monsters from season four, because they look very similar, except this guy's wearing a hat. (laughs) Yeah, so that's what I mean. Like, I think... uh, I think you're right. This is a good monster. Anyway, let's get into the episode, but heed what we say, listeners. This episode's a little out of place, but they did their best to stick it in right after the best episode of the season so far, which was Passion. So we open in the cemetery. Buffy is slow. She's sluggish and she's sniffly. Clearly she's sick and very off her game. 
and so off her game that she almost kills Xander, who's patrolling with Willow and Cordelia. So my very first question in this episode was, why are they patrolling these three, even if Buffy is sick? Because later Willow says that Buffy is sick and Cordelia says half the school is out with this flu. Why does that mean Cordelia, Willow, and Xander, who have zero training, you know, if we forget that Xander has army man memories, none of of them are trained to take on the supernatural vampire or demon, but yet they're out patrolling in Buffy's place. And I think that's nice of them as friends. I was just like, who told them to do this? And why isn't everyone taking combat training? Yeah, that's a fair point. Absolutely. I don't really have an answer to that. I just <laughs> Why? Think this hits differently, Buffy being sick, uh, watching this episode, having gone through the pandemic, which is still going on. And like, it just feels like a world away, right? Of like, there being a time when you were sick, and you might still go to school, and you might still go out <laughs> slaying. Like, things have changed so much in this past year that I, I don't know depending on how things go over the next few years, that part of the episode of like, oh, Buffy's, you know, sick with this flu, but she was still trying to do everything normally. Mm -hmm. That might be the part that aged the least well. Yeah. Looking at it from what we know now, you know, a year and a half, almost two years of being in this pandemic, Buffy walking around sniffling and coughing. I'm just like, girl, get inside and isolate yourself. (laughs) And Cordelia does say to her, we're all worried about how gross you look, right? Which is Cordelia's way of saying, like, good girl, like, go home. Like, we're here to cover for you. But Buffy is saying that as long as I'm the Slayer, Angel's not going to kill anyone else. And shockingly, Kara, shockingly, because once again, I did not remember this episode at all. Angela shows up at the graveyard and says, oh, come on, just one more. And then he literally runs and dives on Cordelia and knocks her over. This was shocking to me because, I mean, we're coming out of passion. We're coming out of this really intense episode where Angel stalked everybody on the show and then killed one of the Scoobies. And here he is just kind of showing up out of the blue and is being really like brash and... It just doesn't seem like Angelus's vibe. I don't think this is how Angelus would normally work, but because they're jamming him into this episode to make him relevant, they're like, we'll just have him attack Buffy and her friends for no reason, which when I I just don't think this lines up with his modus operandi up until now, you know? I'm with you. I think that's one of the signs of like this episode was rewritten and they jammed Angelus in there because I had the same reaction. I'm like, well, that's a little bit on the nose <laughs> for them to here? mention him. And then he shows up. It's like, <laughs> did you just manifest this? Not that I'm sad to see him because I'm I, I'm happy to see Angelus. I think that he's an exciting villain. But I didn't like that. Yeah, they kind of just like threw him in. So he he so Buffy pulls him off Cordelia and they start fighting and she's a little bit off her game like i said because she's she's sick so he notices and he's like not feeling well lover and they continue to fight and at one point he overpowers her and it looks like he has the upper hand but good thing her friends are there so xander throws his jacket over angelus and starts like beating him up and i was like this must be the leftover army boy memories that xander's using they work really well together it's Kind of surprising. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Willow and Cordelia and Xander all hold up crosses. Angelus realizes he's outnumbered or he's just like, whatever, that was fun. And then he leaves. And then Buffy faints. 
and then we cut to credits. So this episode has a lot of background music. Did you notice that? Like there's a lot more background music than I remember in any other episode. Now that you pointed out, I, I see it. And maybe I think I was unconsciously noticing it. I don't I didn't really take note of it while we watched the episode. But I think the reason for that is because this is a, a quiet episode in terms of dialogue and action. A lot of the scenes are two-handers where you have Buffy and one other person or you have like Xander and Cordelia or Cordelia and Giles, right? It's just like two people together. Mm -hmm. And then you also have a lot of scenes where Buffy is by herself kind of like wandering the creepy hospital corridors or she's with those kids. Like there aren't a lot of big group scenes in this episode. And so the episode is kind of lacking in energy which i think i was picking up on and it's one of the reasons why i didn't really enjoy this episode as much as some of the others we've watched recently because it feels very quiet and sedate mm -hmm. so i think they're relying on the score to make up for that and they're basically kind of like let's try to give this episode a creepy atmosphere because th this episode reminds me of those more 90s horror movies where it's like there's a monster in the hospital and it's killing these kids and, and you know Buffy has to get to the bottom of it this is a very simplistic story yeah. so I think that's what the background music is doing is it's trying mm -hmm. to take on some of the weight that is normally carried by more exciting scenes yeah and like more of a reason why this episode probably did belong in season one because a lot of more episodes then were homages to the 90s horror trope and genre, right? So this this totally mm -hmm. falls in with that. So they bring Buffy to the ER, and there's nothing I love more than an ER room in a show. And, you know, all the doctors, like, they put her on the gurney, and they're shouting doctor stuff, like, CP2s, and, like, whatever. And um, we don't get, in this episode, much to my dismay, they we don't get that helpful doctor that we did meet in the Nightmares episode. It would have been nice to see a carryover. Yeah. Maybe if this had been in season one, we would have. But instead, and I'm not complaining, instead we get a black woman doctor named Dr. Wilkinson. And it's nice to see. There's so many recognizable actors in this episode, like people that you... If you watch 90s TV and early 2000s TV, you just recognize their faces, even if you never know their names. So like Dr. Wilkinson is one of them. I don't know her name. Um, <laughs> but there's a couple of other characters who, who will, will come up throughout this episode who are like, these are faces you see on TV all the time. So. Yes, exactly. So uh, Willow goes to call Giles, Cordelia goes to call Joyce, and Xander just stands there looking concerned. And then I'm guessing, <laughs> classic, <laughs> and I'm guessing some time passes, and then the Scoobies are all waiting in the waiting room with Giles, who's there. And then Joyce appears. And I was like, why are you so late, Joyce? Like, Because <laughs> Joyce knows better not to drive stoned. Come on. <laughs> She walked. <laughs> so Joyce shows up. And then, of course, as soon as Joyce walks through the, the door, Dr. Wilkinson is there to say that Buffy is stable and she'll be okay. But she needs to stay there for a few days to heal. And I was like, heal? Is she sick with the flu? Or did she get injuries from her fight with Angel that they think that she needs to heal from? That is ambiguous. Yeah. It, yeah. it seems... Like in the next scene, it seems like Buffy's pretty still feverish. So I, I think what they're trying to say is she's got this flu and it's a really bad case. And we learn, right, that there's lots of kids who've been laid low by the same flu. And yeah. again, this aspect is hitting harder now that we've <laughs> yeah. gone through COVID-19. But um, they're very vague on whether or not she was injured in her fight with Angelus. And yeah, she, I, like, she doesn't seem that 
rough for the rest of the episode so no and like i think i do agree i think it is the fever and it's the flu that's the reason she needs to stay at the hospital but i know later when the doctor's checking her out she says that your swelling is gone so i was like the swelling of the fever the swelling of her getting punched by angelus like it's it's confusing it's vague so we cut to the hallway now as buffy's being rolled to her hospital room from the er and you're right buffy is really out of it and she says she wants to go home and then when she learns she's not going home she's going to be staying at the hospital she starts to freak out and she starts like trying to like get out of the bed and she's like giles the vampires we need to kill the vampires and then they end up injecting her with i don't know morphine like whatever it is that makes her calm down uh joyce is there to comfort her while willow's saying oh the fever is making her delusional (laughs) that's why she's saying those things and giles is like yeah it's best to play along and they wheel buffy into her room to rest and they're all out in the hallway still and Xander's saying that he's never seen Buffy look that scared before and Joyce says that Buffy hates hospitals because when she was a little girl she saw her eight-year-old cousin Celia die in a hospital Mm. and she was alone with her in a room and I was like whoa trauma (laughs) like that's really really heavy So Joyce goes to call Buffy's father and Giles goes with her and Joyce is so sweet and she takes this moment to not ask Giles why he's there. (laughs) Uh, But she does thank him and she's like, I appreciate how you look out for my 17 year old daughter, but you know, like no concern in her voice. But uh, what I'm saying about Joyce being sweet is that she says she's sorry when she heard about Miss Calendar and that Buffy had said that Miss Calendar and Giles were close Giles hears this and you see it in his face. He's just like, oh, like he wasn't expecting to talk about Jenny then. That's the thing about grief too. Like sometimes they're it's brought up and you're not going to crumble, but just the mention of somebody affects you, right? So Joy says she's sorry and she's like, if you need anything, like I'm here. And Giles thanks her and walks away. And I'm like, that's so nice. These two should hang out more often, you know? Absolutely. They should hang out. Maybe like Joyce can share a joint with him, you know, Giles can relax. <laughs> they should just like yeah be like after work buddies and just like have a little jay some snacks and just like get to know each other i think they'd be good friends interesting too that like we're hearing about hank we haven't heard or seen of hank since uh the first episode of this season but i'm just getting way more vibes in this episode more than before how buffy is a child like buffy is young she's 17 years old and i'm pretty sure Mm -hmm. she's being sent to the pediatric ward it's hard to say because later when she's walking down the hallway, she sees like old people. <laughs> but I would imagine because she's 17, she would end up in the in the children's area of the hospital. I don't know how hospitals work. Yeah, that's just my my assumption. So anyway, uh, Xander is wondering if Buffy's going to be OK here. And Cordelia brings up the fact that she knows a girl who came here uh, to this hospital and got a botched nose job. <laughs> So she's really concerned. She's like, if Buffy's going to get that thing done, that thing on her face, you know the thing. <laughs> like, she shouldn't do it here. And Willow <laughs> ignores her and says, uh, do you think Angel can get can come and get Buffy here? Which is what Xander was concerned about, not about the thing on Buffy's face. And again, I'm glad that they're taking Angelus seriously. I mean, after the last episode, there's no way they couldn't. But... He's a serious problem. And so thinking about Buffy being vulnerable in this hospital, not only because she's sick, but because anyone can come in would be a huge deal. I also just want to point out, like, the concern over Angelus is very valid, but shouldn't they be concerned about other 
monsters as well, because you would think that if the Sunnydale Supernatural Grapevine gets word that the Slayer is out of commission and vulnerable and in a hospital, then that might cause somebody to come after her, right? You know, there's, there must be a bunch of baddies out there who would never take on Buffy when she's at full strength. But if she's lying in a hospital bed with a fever, that could be an issue. I guess the episode is kind of brushing that away by saying, you know, nobody's going to know that Buffy's in the hospital because most of the supernatural community doesn't know that Buffy is the slayer. They just know that there is a slayer. So I'm not saying this is like a plot hole or an overset or anything, but I, I think this is something for us to be aware of, right? Is like Buffy already has a reputation in Sunnydale as the slayer. In, in the sense of, like, they may, they may not know her identity, but they know who the Slayer is. She's a thorn in their side. So I think we should remember that Angelus is always the biggest threat to her right now. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of other people out there who would take advantage if they knew she were down and knew where to find her. Yeah, that's such a good point. I just want to point out that Cordelia keeps saying this thing about Buffy's face. What thing? What thing, Cordelia? You're just making shit up. But I think Buffy's face is adorable. And she has the cutest little nose. But I do think it's sweet. And I told you this, Cara, before we started recording. I was like, I think this is a Cordelia episode. And you're like, really? (laughs) Because I think there's just so much going on with Cordelia in this episode, which I'll get to. And yes, everybody, yes, I'm obsessed with Cordelia. I get it. I own it. This is who I am. And I don't apologize for it. But there's a lot going on with this girl in this episode. And the first one is when she makes this comment, because I just think it's it's her in Cordelia's mind in her own little world. She would be like, well, Buffy, if she's going to fix this thing on her face, she shouldn't do it here because it's not going to go well for her, right? It's like her own little way of looking out for her, in my opinion. No comment. No comment. You you will be getting a lot of these from me this episode. So cut to an even later time that night, 2.27 a.m. Buffy is snoozing away when she wakes up and she looks out her door and there's a boy standing and watching her. No, it is not Billy from Nightmares. (laughs) this little boy is creepier whatever happened to billy right like we should check in with him is he still okay he's probably also in the hospital somewhere i mean to grow up in sunnydale can't be easy (laughs) so this boy just like looks at buffy and then walks away already that's really fucking creepy but boom a demon in a black suit and a black top hat like top hat i don't know hat yeah it's a hat i'm sure somebody else can tell us what type of hat is a dapper hat. hat Uh, these huge underbite fangs and like gross skin walks by the door following the boy. And this scared me. I was like, wow, <laughs> like a jump scale scare. And Buffy sits up and struggles out of bed and she follows the boy and the demon down the hall. But as she's walking down the hall, we get a flashback of a little girl, Buffy, when she is like, I don't know, eight years old and uh, doesn't look anything like Buffy, but we know it's her. She is walking down a different hospital hallway and she walks into a room and she sees a curtain, but we don't get to see what the curtain is because boom, Buffy wakes up again. It's 2.27 in the morning again. We know that when we see Buffy's dreams, they're not dreams. There's there's something more going on there. So Buffy starts to get up again. She walks down the hallway, just like we just saw. This is when we see into the other patient's rooms. And I was like, okay, there's a lot of old people on this floor. And we also see a shifty looking security guard. So two orderlies are wheeling out a dead body from a room and they're saying out loud, I hate it when you lose the younger ones. 
So clearly a child has died this night. And Buffy looks in that room. And it's really odd to me that all the kids are in this one room together. And Dr. Wilkinson is arguing with another white man doctor about dosage amounts. And Wilkinson wants the other doctor to stop raising the kids' temperatures until they can analyze the tests more. And the doctor is saying, there's no time. I have consent from their parents. And these kids are getting worse. So they're standing in this children's room amongst all these children who are sleeping. The, the idea that they rolled out this dead body from this room of children is like alarming to me. I know it's like 2.30 in the morning, but like, mm-hmm. what is going on at this hospital? Well, and this hospital is very quiet at 2.30 in the morning. And maybe it's because it's Sunnydale and it's a smaller town. But like, you know, we are, uh, Thunder Bay here is a smaller city, but our hospital, even like I've been in that hospital at 2 o'clock in the morning and it is bustling. And like, yes, like the services aren't open. You can't go get a coffee, but there's people everywhere the corridors aren't dimmed like everything's still going on at two o'clock in the morning so clearly they are tweaking things to create a certain like horror atmosphere right this this (laughs) is not a hospital this is a creepy television hospital yeah and the very idea that everything's dark right there are never dark hallways in these kind of places so Buffy turns around and there are two children standing behind her. They say that he comes at night. The grown-ups can't see him. He was with Tina and he'll come back for us. And Buffy says, who? And they say, death. <laughs> Ooh. So it's the next day, uh, the same night, 2.30 in the morning. Uh, it's unclear. Xander is sitting in the waiting room still and that's when Angelus walks in and he has a bouquet of white roses that he's going to give to Buffy. And there's no note, as far as I can see, no note that says soon on it. <laughs> but I was ho- so hoping I'd see it. Xander gets in Angelus's face and he says, visiting hours are over. Angelus says, if I wanted to walk into Buffy's room, do you think for one microsecond that you could stop me? And Xander says, maybe not. But maybe that security guard couldn't either, or those cops, or the orderlies. I'm curious to find out, though, are you game? And Angelus takes us all in, and then he looks at Xander, and he says, Buffy's white knight. You still love her. It must just eat you up that I got there first. And then, oh no, like Xander's manhood is threatened. So Xander looks Angelus in the eye and says, you're going to die, and I'm going to be there. And Angelus just says, tell her I stopped by, and leaves. Okay, so I wrote here, tell me what you think of this joke, Kara. I wrote, shake your dicks, gentlemen. This pissing contest is over. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you nailed it. (laughs) This is a gross scene. It's a gross exchange. It's it's the writers, you know, making fun of both of these characters and making (laughs) it clear that Angelus is a bad dude because he's... He's evil. Yeah, he's evil. And he's so evil, he's going to make fun of Xander. But... That's low-hanging fruit. We can all make fun of Xander. It's not hard. Yeah. I will give Xander a little credit here. This is good that he... Like, he's sticking around. This is the wee hours of the morning. And he has chosen to kind of stay on guard and look out for Angelus. And I think that is very nice of him as, as Buffy's friend, you know? And I'm willing to well, give him that... he was right, right? Yeah, I'm willing to give him that credit. Because yeah. we are very hard on Xander all the time. So I just want to say, like... Xander's doing a nice thing here. So good for him. Good for him for standing up to Angelus. Because, again, like, if Angelus wanted to, he could snap Xander's neck right there. So I want us to acknowledge that it, it takes a certain level of courage 
to stand up to this guy whom you know is good at snapping naps. <laughs> okay. uh, we have proof of that from the previous episode. So I, I don't want to oversell and overhype what Xander's doing here, but let's just acknowledge, right? Like Xander's doing a good job right now. Yeah, let He's going to fuck me, it up later on, but he's doing a good job. Let me Let me agree with you. And let me say for the record that I agree. He is being brave here. And when people write in and when people tell us, people who are fans of Xander and they say he can be brave, he can be a hero. This is it, right? Like obviously yeah. him standing up to Angelus and standing up for Buffy. We like to see it. I'm here for that. Yes, I think he was very brave. And I do like when Angelus walks away, Xander kind of like gives this look like Nicholas Brennan did a good job with the scene because he gives this look where like, hey, it did take a lot of courage to stand up mm. to someone that dangerous. So it took a little mm. bit out of him, I think. I think he like you're scared. Obviously, you're scared. Come on. But he did the right thing. Yes. Well done, Xander. Good for you. I think, though, <laughs> the dick comparison, you know, like whose dick is bigger, that whole thing. Again, that's unfortunate that the writers added that in. It's just that it's very clear that this episode, I think this is the scene where I was like, wait a second, is this supposed to be a different episode for a different time? Because I got the vibe more than ever here that Xander is into Buffy. And I think the writers have been doing a mm. good job of taking Xander out of that space for the most part, at least halfway through season two until now, except for Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered, obviously. But the fact that the vibe is this competition again between these two guys, you know, Angel being like, oh, I got there first. And that's what makes Xander be like, I'm going to kill you or I'm going to watch you die one day. It wasn't so much, hey, I killed your friend. I'm here to stalk everybody and be an asshole. It, it, it was about Buffy. And I think having Xander mm. here protecting Buffy, you're Buffy's white knight. You still love her. These are conversations that they had in Prophecy Girl when Angel was still sold. These are, these are conversations we've seen before, but not for a very long time. So I thought that this vibe was consistent with season one, but not so much with the storyline of where we've been going now. Hmm. And this also leads me back into my case that Cordelia is being underappreciated and mistreated <laughs> by the characters in this in this show because, Xander, you have a girlfriend. Her name's Cordelia. But here you are. It's very clear that you are still in love with Buffy and Jealous called it out. And I don't know. Like, good job on not being a piece of shit this episode, Xander. But I'm on to you. And... I've been making a case all season that your dislike for Angel is not because he's a vampire. It's not because he killed Jenny. It's not because he's a dangerous fiend. It's because you're jealous of his relationship with Buffy from the very beginning. And I'm going to keep riding this train until we get to the end of the series, Kara. <laughs> okay. I'll also add, it's interesting how Angelus always goes for this low blow. Like, he does this with Xander. Like, oh, I, I got the girl first. And he does this with Spike as well. He also gets well, under Spike's skin this way. This is how he works, right? He's kind of like Prince of Lies. He likes to lie by telling the truth. And he's very good at it. He's very good at that emotional manipulation. And I think that's what he's trying to do with Sandra there. Mm -hmm. And I, I hear what you're saying. I, I see how you could read the scene the way you're describing. I'm not sure I see it exactly the same way. I think it kind of works with the season two vibe just because this is just Angelus being a huge dick. But I, I get where you're coming from. I, I I agree that you can read it in that way as well and um, see this as more of like a season one callback almost. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're doing their best to bring the story along. And obviously we can keep 
looking into that as we go. So we're going to flash back to Buffy playing with her cousin Sylvia when they were little children. It's super cute. Buffy's playing superhero and she saves her. And I think this is a cool look into Buffy's psyche even when she was a kid. It's not like they're playing house, right? They're not playing like ponies. They're they're playing superhero. And I think that's that's interesting. We cut back to Buffy, who is waking up in the morning, and Dr. Wilkinson is there, and she says her fever is gone, and her swelling is gone down, too, and she's, like, amazed. <laughs> Buffy really wants to leave, but she's still just like, no. And Buffy asks if she has the same virus that the kids have, because obviously Buffy was talking to the children the night before. And before she can answer, the Scoobies arrive, and they have balloons and gifts for her. Uh, Xander brought her balloons. Giles brought her grapes. Willow presents her with homework, and she says that she did it all for her, and Buffy just needs to sign it. What a good friend. Yeah, this is like typical Willow, right? She's like, what are my priorities? Not what are Buffy's priorities. What are my priorities? <laughs> School. I gotta do... And I love how she is so open and honest about doing Buffy's homework for her while Giles is in the room, right? <laughs> She's like, Giles is chill. He's not gonna tell any of the other teachers. Yeah, <laughs> Buffy's sick. Buffy's sick. When you're sick, you get away with anything. So what I want to know, though, is did Willow temper her work to make it seem more like Buffy because we uh, we know Buffy's not the best student academically so like if Willow did all <laughs> of Buffy's homework for the day yeah that would seem suspicious if it were like super good right so I'm wondering if Willow like did it take her longer to do Buffy's homework than her homework because she had to like sit and think about like <laughs> how would Buffy answer this question right how yeah. many mistakes should I put in this question like you know I have a suspicion that Willow liked doing that like getting in Buffy's headspace and being like this is how she would write this essay you know what I mean well and I also like how you know the show is demonstrating the different ways in which these characters support their friend right so Willow did Buffy's homework Xander stayed up all night at the hospital keeping an eye on things like it's cool like Xander would never want to do all of Buffy's homework right so it's cool how they are using their strengths to support their friend I think that's really nice yeah and then of course that brings us to Cordelia who didn't bring anything <laughs> classic Cordelia <laughs> I know but the thing is okay so Cordelia says she didn't know she had to and Giles says well it's tradition amongst people <laughs> but the thing is is cordelia actually like she explains why she didn't bring a gift and i think she feels bad about it and that shows a little bit of growth i don't think she would have given a shit a couple of episodes ago or last season right but um i don't blame her for this sometimes like customs like this are not as obvious as people think showing up to someone's house empty-handed and i learned that when i was in my 20s right that that's something nice that you should do you should never show up empty-handed so sometimes that's something that you learn later on, right? Your parents are there to teach you, but if you've never been to the hospital, how are you supposed to know, right? So yeah. uh, they go outside and they're wheeling Buffy in her wheelchair and she tells them what she saw the night before and she says there's this Dr. Backer who's been giving kids these experimental treatments and Ryan is the kid that saw death and Giles starts to say that it, it could just be a frightened child. And I thought they were going to go down that route of like, we don't believe you, Buffy. You're just in a fever. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But to their credit, Xander and Willow and Cordelia actually like listen to her and they, they take her seriously. They're like, oh, you like death? Like you saw death? You saw like, did he ask you to play chess? Like they're like saying stuff like that. Which is like a remarkably erudite reference for Xander to have. And yeah. I'm just like, okay, this is the writer's 
speaking, not saying. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. And Buffy says, if it's not death, it could be something else. And Cordelia says, this isn't about you being afraid of hospitals because your friend died and you want to conjure up a monster that you can fight so you can save everybody and you won't feel helpless. <laughs> and she nails it, right? And Giles is like, Cordelia, have you ever heard of tact? And Cordelia says, tact is just not saying true stuff. And she'll That's pass. my favorite line of the whole episode. Mine too. And <laughs> when you said that this is a Cordelia episode, like that, I thought of that line right away. Like, I think Cordelia has some good lines in this episode. I think she has a, some good character moments, especially coming up between her and Giles. Yeah. Um, and her and Xander. But yeah, I'm not sure I'm sold on this being a Cordelia episode, <laughs> but I see where you're coming from here because she does get some good one-liners in there. I think she has a lot of growth in this episode, more than anyone wants to see, because her friends don't really like her, and it's not fair. So love your view on life, Cordelia. Always be truthful. Buffy says it has nothing to do with that. Ryan is afraid of something real. If Buffy is forced to stay, she's going to find out what it is. Cut to the next scene where Xander and Cordelia are breaking into the hospital files room, the hospital file place. Um, this hospital has remarkably poor security, and we're going to see that in a moment. But like, the, like later on in the episode, Buffy and Willow are breaking into other places and downing <laughs> vials of things, and it's just like, what? Like, is nothing locked? Like, do you have nothing like passcoded? Like, what? What's going on in this hospital? Is this just the American healthcare system? Everything is so dark. <laughs> like, everything is so dark. So they're trying to figure out who killed Tina, and that's when Cordelia is approached by a security guard. So we we jump to the library where Willow and Giles are going to start researching about this demon. Giles, his heart really isn't in this research. And he says that Cordelia, while insensitive, may be right. Death and disease are the only things that Buffy cannot fight. It's only natural for her to try to create a defeatable opponent, especially now after Jenny. And he starts to get sad again. And Willow says, that's true, but on the we live on the Hellmouth side, these kids could have seen a monster. And I was like, good. Willow has learned from the Ted experience. Remember how mad I was at them for not believing <laughs> Buffy in that mm -hmm. episode? So here she is. She's like, we're on a Hellmouth. This could be real. Let's check it out, right? Yeah, she's standing up for Buffy, which I really appreciate as well. And also, mm -hmm. like, I think what this scene's trying to communicate is, you know, there are threats in Buffy's life that she cannot fight as the Slayer. And that's kind of where Giles is coming from, right? And I, I think that he is really thinking of Jenny at this point and how, yes, Angelus killed Jenny and so a supernatural being was responsible for Jenny's death. But at the end of the day, like, she's not coming back from that, right? Like, death is something you can't conquer. So if the kids in Buffy really saw, like, a personification of death in that hospital... I think Giles is just thinking like, you can't fight that. <laughs> Even mm -hmm. if this is a supernatural kind of manifestation of death, he's like, well, that's going to be out of our league. <laughs> so I, I don't think Giles is doubting Buffy in this mm -hmm. situation. I think he's just a little bit concerned that this is not going to be your typical monster that you can kill. Turns out he's wrong. And this is just a very ordinary, boring monster in some ways. Um, but yeah, I like the dynamic here between Giles and Willow for sure. And I think they wrote Giles very well in this episode. And I think it's something that Anthony Stewart Head is doing 
so subtly and so wonderfully is he's grieving like his his Mm -hmm. lover his love was murdered i don't know a couple weeks before a week before and um it's possible he's weary like yeah he's like i gotta research but this is very close to home it's about death Mm -hmm. and we're dealing with death and this is the scene where i realized this is why they stuck this episode in following passion passion was a masterpiece in storytelling this episode seems a lot more subdued you know it's just a different vibe overall but the themes are about death and dealing with death and how to conquer it but you can't conquer it you know later the little kid says you can't fight death like he literally says that to buffy so i think that's why they chose to put this episode here because they're all dealing with death yeah i think this episode is well placed in the season yeah I agree. So Giles is skeptical at first because the grown-ups can't see this monster. So like, how are we supposed to like research it? And that's when he says, wait, children do see some things that adults don't. Our true selves, our hidden faces. The kids may be afraid of a regular person like Dr. Backer. And I was like, yeah, Giles and Willow, we already learned this lesson in Nightmares, like season one, when Billy was being beaten up by a baseball coach. We already know this. So... Willow starts to research and we cut back to Cordelia who did not get in trouble by the security guard. In fact, she has him wrapped around her finger and she's flirting with him and it's really inappropriate because he is an older man and she's 17 years old and oh no, but oh good, Cordelia, she's so clever and she's using what she's got to get what she needs, right? Yeah, so this security guard is played by Willie Garson. And I recognize him mostly from Stargate SG-1 because he had just a very minor role in a few episodes, but he's very memorable. But he's been all over the place. So anybody who's watched TV from this era, like, and he's still acting these days. Like, he he has not had a break. So even more recent shows, you might have seen him on. And he's just, he's a great actor for these kinds of little roles. He's really good at delivering, like, you know, he's an embarrassing character (laughs) in this episode. And... (laughs) Yeah, he, he's being slimy by letting this 17-year-old hit on him and, and hitting on her back. And he he's not attractive, but she's pretending he's attractive and he's willing to go along with it. And it's just like, <laughs> you know, I, this is similar to Cordelia allowing Xander to use her in um, the episode where they go to the army base. Innocence? Yeah, it's kind of, you know, Cordelia's using her feminine wiles, but at least she's the one who's choosing to do it in this case. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be like she's having a lot more fun right now. She's like enjoying the power that she has in this situation. Yeah, probably also because she knows Xander's listening because Xander's hiding. He's got the folder. He's behind the corner and he's waiting for a good opportunity to, to sneak by. And uh, he almost gets caught at one point. The security guard like he overhears him, but Cordelia is like, she compliments his nose, and she's she goes to like touch it, and she's like, "You must work out." <laughs> so she has, she's very much into the noses this this episode. She is, she is, and Xander is able to sneak out from there. So in the hallway, Cordelia goes to find him, and Xander is upset that she was flirting with the security guard, and I was like. You should be grateful, Xander, because Cordelia is the reason you have that folder. Cordelia is the reason you didn't get caught and she got you out of that situation. So she was a success. Don't be mad at her. Cordelia Mm -hmm. asks if he's jealous and Xander calls him Rogaine boy (laughs) and says, 
uh, give these files to Giles and he's going to stay at the hospital. And Cordelia says, oh, right. Your obsession with protecting Buffy. Have I told you how attractive that's not? (laughs) And Xander says, someone needs to watch her back. And Cordelia says, I've seen you watch her back, which is a euphemism for looking at her butt. (laughs) And again, Xander and Xander says to her, jealous. Cordelia is calling it as she sees it, and she's calling it as we all see it, because, like, again, they've brought up into this episode Xander's obsession with Buffy again, which I thought we were getting over. I thought Cordelia was going to be the distraction from that. But the fact that even Cordelia sees it and is calling it out here, I think it makes it more and more obvious. And I do think it's pretty realistic for these two 17-year-olds to be insecure in their relationship and to play these little games, right? Oh, I'm making you jealous. And, oh, are you jealous? You know, when it's just like, guys, just admit that you like each other and you want to be together, Mm -hmm. you know? That's pretty realistic. But it's the Buffy of it all, right? Like, Xander is overly obsessed with Buffy in this episode. And Cordelia sees it and she calls it out and she's a lot smarter than everyone's giving her credit for. And this happens later, too. Willow and Buffy don't take her seriously when they should. Mm -hmm. Cordelia walks away. Xander checks out her ass as she walks away. So in a different hallway somewhere, Buffy is walking around being Snoopy. And she goes up to the little boy, Ryan, who's drawing a terrifying picture of the demon with the hat. But he's not wearing the hat in this drawing, interestingly enough. And uh, he says he'll come tonight. And Buffy says she's not going to let this thing hurt you. We both know that there are real monsters, but there's also real heroes that fight monsters. And that's me. That's when the little boy says you can't fight death. So Willow and Giles are surfing the net in the library. And apparently Dr. Backer has had many reprimands for controversial experimenting, risky procedures, and a malpractice suit, which was dropped. And now he's working on these children and experimenting with these children. Of course. (laughs) What? Why is he still a doctor at this hospital? (laughs) Because the American medical system is a massive scam. And it's very easy. Like, once you become a doctor, it's hard to become a doctor. But once you become a doctor, Stephanie... You have to basically, like, it's very hard to lose your license if you have the right connections and you have enough money, right? Like, I am not at all surprised that this old white guy is still practicing medicine. Do you ever lose your doctor title? Yes. Yeah? Okay. Yes. Like, if it, you know, they, they can take it away from you. Like, oh. you know, with mal, you know, they can decertify you. But yeah, he's, he's fine. You know, a couple of malpractice suits. It's that's so common, unfortunately, in the U.S. healthcare system. <laughs> it's just oopsies. <laughs> Jesus. It would be weird if you were clean. Yeah, I mean, Doctor Wilkinson is clean, as far as we can tell. The helpful doctor from episode ten is probably. Clean I, as a I mean, I'm pretty sure he's probably been slapped on the wrist a couple of times for telling information <laughs> to random people who showed up at the hospital. But <laughs> privacy concerns. <laughs> uh, you need okay you need to stop chatting with everybody who comes in and letting them know the status of the patients i know you're just trying to be friendly dude but it's like illegal and you're breaking the law so we need you to just rein it back in you're at like a nine and we need you to be at like a one yeah a zero if anything <laughs> i miss him i wish he was in this episode i miss him too. he should have been yeah. in this episode like that that yeah, is my major great. complaint about this episode he should have been here but he's not so the chatty doctor is missing uh nighttime in the hall in the halls of sunnydale hospital dr backer is doing some night research as all malpractice doctors do <laughs> and uh he's like 
I don't know, testing out serums and virus samples and stuff. I don't know. And Xander is almost falling asleep in the hallway of the waiting room. And that's when Cordelia brings him a bag of Krispy Kreme donuts. Have you had Krispy Kreme donuts before? Probably not. They're pretty good. I'm, they're not my favorite, but like, they're pretty good. Uh, and a coffee. And they don't say a word to each other. She just sits down and reads a magazine next to him. And I do wish Xander had just said thank you, but I think there's a there's yeah. an understanding here between the two of them, right? There's an understanding mm-hmm. like she's like, okay, I had my piece. I think you're obsessed with Buffy. It's not fair, but I'm supporting you because you're trying to do the right thing, right? You're you're looking out for your friend. I'm here for that. Yeah. Also, I just want to point out, like again, a doctor in Doctor Backer's position here would not have time to like do research and stuff. <laughs> like if you're an attending physician at a hospital, like. That is your job. That is your life. Um, <laughs> there, there are other positions in which you, you get the time and luxury to do research. But no, he's not completely worked off his feet uh, looking at patients all day and then going home to sleep for a couple of hours before coming back on call. Like, no, he, he's, he's okay. He can chill out in his office and just kind of like, I don't know, fuck around with stuff. They're like, Dr. Backer, because of all the problems you've given this hospital and all of the money we've lost on you... We're just going to give you to the children. You can take care of the children in the children's sick ward and do your research at night. And just, that's what you don't get the deal. Adults. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> you know? Okay. But I'm going to test controversial treatments on them. Well, yeah, whatever. Just just, just stay out of the hallways. Just the children's room in your office is all. That's why he's not working on Buffy. That's why Dr. Wilkinson gets Buffy. So I will also point out Dr. Backer is played by another recognizable actor. His name is Richard Hurd. And he he unfortunately died, but he has been in a ton of stuff between now and, and the point where he died a few years back. So again, if anybody's kind of being like, oh, I kind of recognize that face. Yeah, because he's in everything. Yeah, he was Dr. Backer in <laughs> Killed by Death, Buffy season two, episode 18. And Dr. Backer enters the children's room again. Once again, why are they all in this room together? I don't know. Buffy is following him down the hall when he enters that room and he is looking sketchy and he's got like a serum in a in a in a needle and he's going to put it in the water bag. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know medical terms, but you know everyone always has a water bag next to them. Like you always got that like bag of goo. And I don't know what it is. An IV? Is that what it is? Yes, yeah, stuff. Don't give me that look. <laughs> I also had a malpractice <laughs> and I'm no longer allowed to practice I medicine. <laughs> can't imagine why. <laughs> yeah, just put it in the, the water baggy thing. Don't worry about it. Um, anyway, Dr. Backer's messing around with this thing. He puts he puts a serum in there. I don't know. Uh, suddenly he's attacked. <laughs> can, can you imagine if me and you recapped like Grey's Anatomy? I would not know what's going on. <laughs> I mean, if we did like 15 seasons of Grey's Anatomy, I think you, I, th- I think you qualify for a medical degree at that point. But. Oh, for sure! All the hours we've put, all the studying we've done. Uh, anyway, the point is, Doctor Backer gets killed now. He gets attacked from an invisible assailant. He doesn't just get killed; he gets mutilated. He gets like ripped and up. Then, <laughs> this invisible creature drags him down the hallway and, and where are the security guards at this point like is nobody looking flirting with teenagers <laughs> elsewhere so uh yeah he gets pulled away buffy sees the body get pulled away she's knocked over it's a whole thing the next morning giles comes to see buffy who has the drawing that the ryan kid left for her of the demon 
And Giles says that Tina died of a fever, but the records show that she was improving when she suddenly deteriorated. And they're trying to like nail it on Dr. Backer. They're like, oh, it was Dr. Backer. That guy's an evil, awful person. But it turns out he was a red herring all along. Psych. And Buffy's like, don't talk shit about Dr. Backer. He died. (laughs) This part made me laugh out loud. This is the only part in the episode that I laughed out loud at. Because Buffy shows Giles the drawing and she's like, this is the guy that shredded Dr. Backer. <laughs> and she knocked, he knocked me down and I couldn't fight him. And Giles is like, did you draw this? <laughs> yeah, that's cute. Well, um, did you do I mean, this? Again, this, this reminds me of this reminds me of that season four episode with the confusingly similar monsters. OK, OK. Um, and in that episode, right. Giles gets to show off his drawing skills to Buffy, and it's not <laughs> yeah. much better. So, so I think he's genuinely impressed with the drawing, like this crayon drawing he thinks Buffy did. He's like, "This is your work. Like, this is remarkable. <laughs> <laughs> the skills. Like, have you been taking classes with Angelus? Like, this oh, is dear. really good." So, anyway, I fucking laughed at that. That was funny. And that's actually why I, re- I enjoy this rewatch with you because. There are like little jokes in here that I wouldn't catch, I think, if I was just watching it as I usually watched it, which was just like in the background of stuff. Mm-hmm. So you catch funny little things like this. Cordelia points out that why could Buffy see it the other night, but not last night? But that's when Joyce enters the room and she's like, oh, did I interrupt a secret meeting? <laughs> and uh, Cordelia says, you sure didn't. And she's so awkward when she says that. And this is because Cordelia doesn't like to lie. Like, we, you know how we say, like, Buffy is bad at lying? Lies. <laughs> Lies. This is what Cordelia does when she's trying to, like, lie and be one of the Scoobies. She's just so weird about it. Just like, you sure didn't. <laughs> like, so awkward. But like Joyce is there to tell Buffy that the doctor says she can go home and Buffy's like, no, I, I want to stay. My symptoms are flaring up and Willow's like, yeah, she doesn't look well. And Xander's like, she's oogie and like she has to stay. And Joyce is like, OK, I'll speak to the doctor and like leaves. And I was like, Joyce, are you rich? Like, isn't it expensive to stay in the hospital? Yeah. Oh, so expensive. It's like $10,000 every night. <sighs> <laughs> so... Okay, that was easy. And Buffy says that uh, Giles is going to go to research on the demon so that she, he can figure out how she can fight him. And Buffy is going to break into Dr. Backer's office to see why the monster would want to kill him. And she needs Willow to help with that because Willow apparently is really good with medical stuff. And Willow says it's because her and Xander played doctor all the time when they were young. And then things get weird. And Xander's like, no, no, she's being literal. Like, she would perform surgeries on me. And Will doesn't understand why playing doctor is wrong. And Buffy says she never played it. And it gets really weird. And I didn't know what they meant. Because it was never a thing when I was a kid. So I looked it up. And it's like, obviously, when kids explore their sexual side with each other. Oh, that's interesting. Because I have heard of playing doctor. And (laughs) uh, I I never did. Because even at that young age totally not interested in that kind of thing but i i knew what that was so that's interesting um yeah, i didn't know yeah i think i think it's funny and I, I think the funniest thing is buffy's denial that she never played it either right <laughs> like and well, i was like what kind of doctor did you play at and buffy's like well i never played it and it's like oh okay buffy sure you didn't sure right uh you and ford when you were like kids <laughs> so they go out into the hallway, the Scoobies, and Giles is, like, going to go to the library, and Xander is on sentry duty for in case Angel shows up again. Xander says research is priority, so Cordelia should go with Giles to help him. And Giles says, 
why do I have to dot dot dot? And then he's like, oh, good thinking, good thinking. I, I could do with a research assistant. And Cordelia, like, calls him out, and she's like, all right, let's go, tact guy. <laughs> yeah, this was another one of my favorite lines of Cordelia, both yeah. because she's, like, she's calling him out in her own words, and she's also, like, standing up for herself, right? Like, she, she's making it clear, I'm not going to be treated like a second-rate Scooby. I am one of the Scoobies, and you should both be fighting over who gets me, not fighting over who has to take me. Yes, and that's the thing. Like, so Xander disrespected her earlier. Now Giles has. And I'm just like, I, my case is clear. Like, they're being really unfair mm-hmm. to her. So before they leave, she tells Xander to be careful. And I will say, um, they're not really acting like they're a couple, right, together. Like, they are, but they're not very PDA. Yeah, I did, po- I did notice that. And mm-hmm. this is perhaps, again, the whole, this episode was rewritten, and there's only so much they could do in terms of tweaking it. They are less couple-ish in this episode in many ways than they were in previous episodes. And we could kind of chalk that up to the rocky road since she dumped him. Yeah. Um, but maybe. at the same time, it's like, I think it's the roughness of the edits on this episode, too. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So in Dr. Backer's office, Willow and Buffy are snooping around and... Buffy is taking this very personally, and she's like, this is another person she was unable to save, was Dr. Backer. So just Mm. in this one little quote from her, like, we're kind of getting into Buffy's headspace. And I think we all know that Buffy, like we said in the last episode, Jenny's death is going to affect Buffy. Buffy's going to blame herself. And I think that's another reason why this episode is conveniently placed right after that one, because we're seeing it. We're seeing how Buffy is taking Jenny's death. And how she's taking it yeah. super seriously and it's all it's it's on her mind. And I actually personally believe it's one of the reasons why she got sick, because Buffy is a very strong person, obviously physically, which also would probably mean she has a good immunity for a lot of stuff. But it's like anything, like when you're stressed, when you're not taking care of yourself mentally, you're more susceptible to getting sick. And I, I really love that Buffy's sick in the episode after but Jenny died. I think it makes total sense. Mm-hmm. And to put her in this weakened state to make her consider more quietly, you know, what death is. So she's blaming Dr. Backer's death on her. And Willow finds out that Dr. Backer was trying to inoculate the kids with a controlled dosage of the same virus that they already had, raising their temperatures to burn the fever out. And she said it it was actually starting to work. And he was actually trying to help the kids. And, you know, malpractice be damned. This guy was good (laughs) at what he was doing now. So... He is redeemed. Good for you, Dr. Backer. In the library, Cordelia is annoying Giles by asking what every single demon is in the book that he's looking at. And Giles snaps at her and he says, well, this demon asks endless questions to those with whom it should be working. So nothing is getting done. (laughs) And Cordelia (laughs) says, boy, there's a demon for everything. (laughs) Giles and Cordelia are polar opposites of each other. Like, I like that they're hanging out together here because we rarely see a Giles and Cordelia pairing so it's nice to see these two personalities next to each other yes giles says that there is a chance that if no one's seen the demon there's not going to be a picture of it and cordelia sadly closes the book that she's looking at and conveniently (laughs) the cover is of the demon (laughs) well that just worked out great but I i think this is also this is part of cordelia's character is often she unintentionally arrives at the solution, right? And you have to put up with her. She can be annoying (laughs) and somewhat oblivious, as we just saw from that wonderful exchange with Giles. But at the same time, she kind of weirdly comes through. 
She does. Do you remember in um, Ted when she found the trap door underneath the rug yes. just because she was like, this rug is ugly and doesn't work with the rest of the decor. <laughs> and they're like, oh, my God. <laughs> so she does this pretty often. She's super valuable and her brain just thinks differently than the others. And that's not a bad thing, you know. So Cordelia calls Buffy. She calls Buffy at the hospital. And she says, the demon is called Der Kindestad. And Buffy says, who is this? <laughs> like, what the fuck? And Buffy says she wants to speak to Giles. And Cordelia, like you said earlier, she sticks up for herself and she gets annoyed. And she's like, hey, I got your guy. I found him. And here's the research I did, right? And I was like, I good know, for Buffy's you. Buffy's like so dismissive. I'm like, <laughs> who is she's this? like, can you put Giles? It's like Giles is busy doing research. And she's like, can you put him on the phone? And just like, <laughs> come on, Buffy, you can talk to Cordelia. It's not going to kill you. Yeah. A petition to stop the unfair treatment of Cordelia Chase on the show, please. Let's start it. Uh, <laughs> she gets slut shamed for fooling around with a guard to get information they need for their case. And now she's being dismissed and they think, oh, you're just a stupid bitch. You can't read from this book. But she can, you guys. She can. And she says that Der Kindestad means child death and he feeds off children by sucking the life out of them. But after, they look like they died because they're sick. And that's what killed Tina. And it looks like the children's ward is like an all-you-can-eat buffet to this kind of demon. Buffy says, yeah, he killed the doctor because he was curing the kids, thus taking away his food. And that's when Giles comes in and he has found a picture of how Dirk Kindestad kills his victims. And that's when Cordelia freaks out. She's like, ew, ew, why do I let you guys drag me into this stuff and leaves? And it's like, Cordy, you volunteered. <laughs> Until it gets too much for her, then she's like, no more. So she's got boundaries. And Giles uh, takes the phone and says that uh, Dirk Kindestad sits atop his prey, pinning them down helplessly, and then he slowly draws out their life, and it must be horrifying for the victim. And here's where I have to ask, then why does he have these giant fangs? <laughs> why does he need cool. them? They they look super cool. They probably give him demon cred. But, <laughs> like, why? He doesn't eat his victims. So Buffy uh, flashes back to her cousin Celia who is actually quite scarily screaming at the top of her lungs and holding her arms up like she's being pinned in this flashback memory and screaming, screaming, screaming until she dies. So Buffy realizes that this demon is what killed her cousin so many years ago and she has to get it before it kills other kids. And she says that she can't get it if she can't see it. And that's when she realizes that it's because she was crazed with fever when she was able to see the, the demon. So that's when they go back to Dr. Backer's fridge in his office where there's a bunch of vials of viruses or something. <laughs> and Buffy is about to down one. Like she's just going to drink a vial straight. And Willow's like, that'll kill you. So she dilutes it for her by putting it with water. And... Buffy drinks it and says, here's to my health. And I personally would have said, down the hatch, because I think that's a much better line. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's a good thing Willow's there, right? Like, otherwise, yeah. Buffy would have just gone, mm, and then Poisoned. keeled over. So. <laughs> Is that how science works? Is that true? No, but... Oh. <laughs> I don't know how it works. I mean, I, I'm I am not an expert, but I'm pretty sure most of the stuff they're, they're saying, like the dilution part, totally. Um, but I'm pretty sure a lot of the stuff they're saying about like Doctor Backer's inoculation and stuff, questionable. Um, I don't know if anybody with a medical background wants to write in, especially virology. But 
Um, it just it sounds very plausible. But Willow, of course, is absolutely right. If you're going to make yourself sick on purpose, which you shouldn't, you need to be very careful about it. So good job, Willow. I think Willow is amazing in this scene because, of course, what they do after this is as the fever's very quickly taking hold of her, uh, Buffy is leaving this, this office, which once again, not under protection. Like that fridge is not under lock and key. You've just got biohazard. There's no biohazard symbol there. You've just got these hazardous samples in a fridge in your office. It's just an office. It's not a lab. It's not like a chem lab. (laughs) So they go out into the hallway and, you know, Buffy's like trying to like move and stuff. And she's already feeling really sluggish. So Willow helps her and they get to where the kids wing is or whatever the big room and <laughs> kids are left because they've decided we're gonna go on like an expedition yeah, into like, the creepy it. basement yeah, that sounds seriously. great also the basement door is in the kids ward well of course that's where you would put it um <laughs> but buffy can now see durkin just start right like she can see this monster creeping around the kids room she's like oh my god the security finally <laughs> tweaks to something's going on so they um you know, Dr. Wilkinson shows up and she's like, you should be in bed, Buffy. And Buffy is like, I don't have time for your shit. And physically, like, pushes Dr. Dr. Wilkinson with her slayer strength. Yeah. Um, oh, and no. of course, Dr. Wilkinson, quite understandably, is like, I need to call security. Yes. So security shows up. And this is where, like, up until this point, Willow has been great. This is where Willow goes above and beyond as the wing woman in this episode. So she pretends to be having some kind of episode and she like starts yelling frogs there's frogs get the frogs off of me and she's like like brushing at invisible frogs on her body so the security guards of course think that she is the one who needs to be restrained because apparently (laughs) as we heard earlier in the episode that's what their favorite thing is to do is to restrain these patients it's the best yeah yeah you shouldn't if if you if you're excited about that this should not be your job because that's not what we should do we should treat patients with dignity and respect um so willow is basically distracting them from buffy and buffy sneaks away good job willow Mm -hmm. and i love what she says after like buffy's gone and dr wilkinson catches up and she's like you got the wrong one you incompetent (laughs) buffoons and willow just looks at them she's like no more frogs and it's just like aww cute acting yeah very cute (laughs) uh buffy runs into the hallway where xander's waiting and she's like we need to get down to the basement and they sure do they do indeed because dirk Kinderstad is literally chasing the children down there and it's actually quite creepy and the children have done the biggest mistake of all which is to run away but then stop and hide i was like just keep running ryan is there he's like their leader and he tells the others he's like we'll be safe here and then the moment he says that, he gets attacked by Drakindrastad. <laughs> and it's just like, Ryan, uh, you screwed up here, buddy. Ryan, stick to drawing. <laughs> yeah, I think you've really misread the situation. Yeah. You know who would never get into this situation? Billy from the Nightmare episode. <laughs> that was a leader, I'm telling you. Uh... So, yeah, Drakindrastad picks up Billy. Uh, Billy. <laughs> picks up Ryan. Throws him around a bit, scares him up. All the kids are screaming their heads off. And he sits on him and his eyes pop out and, dare I say, look like two skinny penises. (laughs) (laughs) And they erect from his face and attach themselves to Ryan's forehead. Yeah, 
the effects are not super great in this episode. They're almost like claymation. It almost looked like claymation to me. I mean, I didn't hate it. I just didn't. I just didn't care for like the veiny shape of them. <laughs> yeah. So like the sequence where they come out of his eyes, yeah. that part I think is CGI, and they reuse this the exact same shot in a few moments where Kindestad has Buffy pinned down. Yeah. But then when they're attached, when it's the shot where. We were seeing them attached to Ryan's face. Those are clearly uh, practical effects. Like they had to build a little prop for that. And <laughs> those look hokey as hell. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But luckily Buffy's there and she hits the demon with a club or a stick. And she says, you make me sick. Ooh, good one. <laughs> good one, Buffy. Not good. Uh, they start fighting as Xander rounds up the screaming children and gets them out of there. And Buffy is still kind of weak, but she still manages to kick him in the face a couple times. And then, like you said, the demon manages to pin Buffy down and his eyes start to erect. <laughs> like the penises they are and Buffy just like reaches up and snaps its neck it's very disappointing it's like yeah. after all this build-up we don't know how we're supposed to kill him Buffy has this great line earlier where she's like I'm thinking violence and Xander's like good choice but yeah it's like you're pinned down and suddenly all you need to do is just like reach up and again neck snapping Ugh, a lot of I, this happening recently so much i know yeah but it's like we kill him too soon yeah like i was like what was this i mean i would have liked i mean if it was me i would have taken his eyes and like tied yes. them up in a bow or something that would have been cool <laughs> like rip them out ah! <laughs> no. and then he could like writhe around yeah then he's just like blind. clutching at his eyes and then you're like now what are you gonna do uh, you know who are you gonna sit on now they should hire us they should really hire us. If they want, like, visuals <laughs> of demon suffering, I think you and I could figure it out. But, okay, so he's dead. Xander comes and helps her out because she's still very feverish. And uh, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's the end. Uh, at Buffy's house after that, the three of them are relaxing on the bed. And you know how, like, you and I, like, love when the, it's just, like, them chilling? Like, just as friends. Mm -hmm. But again, because I said, like, I had a, like, a, I don't know, like, I just felt for Cordelia in this one. I thought she was mistreated. And Cordelia expressed that she's jealous of his attraction to Buffy. She's aware of it. She doesn't like it. Mm -hmm. So I just think it was if, if Cordelia had been invited to this outing, which I don't think she was, she wouldn't have liked him lying on the bed next to her. And I know it's innocent, but like these are little nitpicky things that I'm just going to I'm going to jump on because I just think no one gives a shit about Cordelia and her feelings, you know. <laughs> anyway, Joyce is bringing buffy like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and a juice that actually sounds delicious that i want to try is like mm -hmm. two parts oj one part grapefruit like that sounds pretty good and that's the best part about being sick right you get waited on <laughs> for some reason willow and xander are being like assholes and they're like taking advantage of this too and willow's like Fill refill my drink and xander's like we need more cheesy chips and which sound delicious joyce does come back in and say, oh, Buffy, a letter arrived for you. And I was like, oh, is it going to be Angelus again? Like, soon, like again. <laughs> but the letter is from Ryan from the hospital. And they open it up and it's a drawing of Buffy <laughs> murdering Durkindestad. And it's like super bloody. So and it's so awesome. <laughs> and her mom's just like, oh, it's nice. And then it ends. 
<laughs> so, which is a good ending. I I do enjoy it when these episodes end kind of abruptly like that, just yeah. like with the puppet show where Snyder's like, "What is this avant garde?" and then it just ends, <laughs> and I'm just like, "Yes, like leave us hanging like that." It's great. Yeah, and um, I hope she gives that drawing to Giles to like add to his art collection because <laughs> he's so impressed by them. He's so proud. <laughs> um, okay, so who's your hero here? So I think it's pretty clear. I was I was gonna choose Cordelia because I like what well, I I just she was good in this episode. She helped with the research okay, and she okay. brought it right, um, and she got mm-hmm. them the files they needed. Like she was she was helpful, and she was also patrolling at the beginning. Like that's good good of her. But after our conversation, I'm gonna choose the Scoobies in general. Everybody pulled their weight here. Oh, okay, everyone did a good job. Cool. Yeah, I, I'm just going to go with Buffy. Keep it simple. You know, Buffy chose to stay in the hospital. She didn't have to. Buffy confronted her fears about the hospital, her traumatic memories of Celia. Um, all around, Buffy was great in this episode. But I agree with you. Like I mentioned it earlier, Xander did great. Willow did great. Cordelia did great. Uh, yeah, this this was a good episode to showcase the characters. And that's kind of my final word on Killed by Death is... It's a bit more of a quieter, more boring episode. Mm-hmm. It's not the kind of episode I would go back and rewatch all the time. Mm-hmm. But it has certain advantages to it, and it works well enough. And I, I suspect that's what the producers were thinking when they put the season together and they were they were padding out and finishing off the last of the season because you have to deliver a certain number of episodes, of course. Yeah. Um, and I, I also think they were probably trying to save money with this episode. Like the budget was probably smaller because mm. there's more expenses coming up. So I uh, th- this is an example of like you wouldn't see this episode nowadays with uh, seasons that are six or 12 episodes long. You just w- this type of episode would never happen. You would never need it. This episode is an artifact of a 22 episode season. And it's something I miss. I miss having episodes like this. I miss having episodes that are not as good episodes overall, but they do interesting things with some of the characters and they give us kind of a chance to breathe before we carry on with the story arc of the season. So I can't ever claim that Killed by Death is by itself a fantastic standalone episode, but I think as part of season two, it serves a purpose and it has good moments of characterization. Yeah. I think that was really well said. Um, I wasn't feeling this episode. I only watched it once. Can you believe that? I didn't watch it twice. <gasps> I only watched it once. Yeah, I feel the same way. I, I mean, I told you before mm-hmm. we started recording, my notes were fairly sparse. And I just feel it's because there wasn't a lot that I wanted to write down in the moment while I was watching it. It was more like, let's just have a convo about the episode in general. <laughs> you know, and it's one of those episodes that's not super memorable, I think. Yeah, so it wasn't like something that I really enjoyed the first time. Like I, like you said, I'm not going to go back and watch this if I want to throw on an episode, but talking it through with you has again kind of like turned my mind to it. <laughs> and you're right. Like yeah. it's just the character development. I just loved Giles in this episode. I think he's very subtly playing that role of grief and we feel Jenny's death in this episode, which is why this episode is necessary to follow passion. I think killed by death, like an episode about fighting death. Like that makes sense following such an impactful episode as passion yeah so um we are gonna take a break from our hot stakes today because i want to share some interesting little trivia facts that people were sending my way on tiktok (laughs) in our in on our tiktok they leave comments right and sometimes they're just really like eye-opening and i'll share two of them that i have gotten over the past couple days 
I- I'm so sorry. I did not write down the usernames <laughs> who sent these, but they're in our comments. So go to TikTok and look at our comments. And you'll see them. So uh, the first one said that, okay, so for Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered, which came out today, they said that Sarah Michelle Gellar was actually filming SNL that week, which is why she spent a big chunk of that episode as a rat. And mm. I was like, interesting. Okay, cool. Another person shared that in Passion, uh, there's a song, or there's a track called Remembering Jenny. And if you like Ed Sheeran, the musician, he actually uh-huh. sampled that track and used it for his song, A Fire Love. The show mm-hmm. inspired that song because Ed Sheeran is actually a really huge Buffy fan. And I know that Ed Sheeran actually put out a new video just like last month that was an- another homage to Buffy because during the pandemic, Ed Sheeran rewatched Buffy <laughs> and he wrote that song and did a vampire music video. Hmm. Pretty interesting. We should get him on Prophecy Girls. <laughs> <laughs> With that, thanks everybody for listening. Stay safe out there. You know, take care of yourselves. This was an episode about illness and the flu. And we've all been in this together, this pandemic, and we just really hope everyone's taking care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. We invite you to join in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, and Prophecy underscore Girls on Twitter. You can also reach out to our email at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca. See you next week. Bye.